Welcome to Trained, a podcast exploring the cutting edge of holistic fitness. I'm Ryan Flaherty, Senior Director of Performance at Nike. For now, I'm still recording from home, calling up the world's leading experts in mindset, movement, nutrition, recovery, and sleep to discuss all the ways you can train your body and mind. Today, I'll be talking with one of basketball's most exciting players, a young all-star who's already transitioned from student to teacher of the game. I think it's important that we invest in the youth. I wouldn't be where I am today without someone investing in me and giving me an opportunity. And so if I could do that for the next generation, that's kind of like my goal. My, my time is going to come to an end, basketball's going to come to an end, but it can't just stop there. That was Jewel Lloyd, WNBA champion with the Seattle Storm, on how inspiring and empowering younger players is the stuff legacies are made of. Jewel would know. She herself was inspired and empowered by the late legendary Kobe Bryant. The Black Mamba even passed along his name to Jewel, dubbing her the Gold Mamba because her skills are that valuable. These days, when she's not chasing her next championship with the Storm, Jewel is sharing her valuable skills with the next generation. As a mentor, she stresses the fundamentals, but more importantly, she stresses changes in mindset that will help these young players succeed both on and off the court. We'll get into all that, plus what her training routine looks like in the league's new quarantine bubble, how she finds time for recovery when she's playing year-round on two continents, and how anyone can put her Mamba mentality to work. Well, Jewel, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to join me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm in Portland. Where, where are you recording from? Um, I'm down here at IMG in the oh, bubble nice. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's, can we just talk about that for a second? Like, so what's, what's it been like being down there? Honestly, the best way I could explain it to most people, it's like summer camp for adults. <laughs> so that's kind of how I've been viewing it. It's been all right. How much longer do you guys have until the start of the season? Our first game Saturday. So we're okay. wrapping up right now, getting ready for the start of the season and making sure everyone's feeling good mentally, physically, all that good stuff. So what, what for you was like the biggest challenge of quarantine in terms of staying in shape and staying on top of it? Because, you know, at any moment they could have called and said, hey, we're going to get back in two weeks or, right. you know, there's just so much unknown around the whole start. And I know training, that's hard to do because you generally like peak and you have some recovery times, but right. it's hard to plan for that when you have no idea when the start's going to happen. What was your approach? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely no one really knew exact dates or times or kind of like you said, the peaks and how to recover. But the end of 2019 going to 2020, I made a commitment to myself to fully invest in my body, invest in my mental aspect of game and, and everything like that. So the first thing I did was I bought a tonal and invested in just, you know, my physical stuff because I knew regardless of what was going on, I wasn't going to be able to go to the gym. So mm. I wanted to make sure that I was still lifting, getting my body right. And if you don't know, in WNBA, we really don't have an off season. So allowing my body to actually lift heavy was something I haven't done since like high school. So I knew that I was going to have some time to kind of really train. Mm -hmm. And then I uh, used a couple apps. I used uh, Home Court, which is a great app that I use for ball handling and kind of just staying active. And mm -hmm. luckily with ball handling, you don't need a, a lot of space. So I was <laughs> on my porch a lot dribbling. And I'm sure my neighbors <laughs> were going crazy because it was like, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, I'm out there just pounding the ball. I'm working mm. on my fundamentals and things like that, as well as I, I really um, worked with Phil Handy, who actually I just partnered with on the 94 Feet of Game app as well. And so I worked with him a lot in a lot of IG Live classes, trying to just figure out different strategies to improve my game. So I, I was constantly finding ways to stay active and yeah. I really just had everything I needed at home. Um, I bought a bike and kind of get my legs moving, but luckily 
in Seattle where I was a lot of hills. So I was able to walk up and down the hills and kind of still yeah. get that training and, and conditioning. So I did a lot of things to make sure I was investing in myself, but also investing in my craft. You mentioned something I want to kind of go back to because I think it's important for people at home to, to understand. It. So WNBA is unique to other professional sports where a lot of you guys end up going overseas to play in the offseason. So you play your WNBA season, the season ends, and then you end up playing, you know, in Spain and right. in Europe somewhere and spending most of the offseason there. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Like, so how that works and why you guys generally do that? Yeah, it's so pretty much. So let's say our season ends like October 2nd and you only have five to seven days to report. A couple of teammates of mine, we finished the season on like a Wednesday. They flew to Russia on like a Friday and played on a Saturday. Wow. So it's like, it's a quick turnaround. You don't really have any That's time crazy. off. You don't have any time to recover time with your family or anything like that. You're always on the go. And the main reason why we play overseas is because we need the money. Mm-hmm. We're paid so much more overseas than we are in the States, unfortunately. Yeah. The disparity in pay, obviously, is a big thing in the States, not just in women's basketball, but in women's soccer and just women's sports in general. Yeah, yeah. But overseas, they value our talents. We're actually even more probably respected overseas as well. They want to make sure that we're paid really well. But at the same time, you're also playing 40 minutes and sacrificing your body. So it's a little bit of give and take in a sense because... At the end of the day, I think regardless if you're in the league or overseas, you're still a product they need you to produce. And so that's why they're paying us so much because we have to go over there and we have to produce. And as much as we produce here in the States, the money's just not there at this time. And so we go overseas to make a living and Mm -hmm. we're away from our families for seven, eight months. And a lot of times you don't have the right treatments, you don't have the right doctors, you don't have the really the things you need to be a top athlete overseas, but you sacrifice all of that to do something that you love and to really take care of your family and take care of yourself. Yeah. Like as a performance coach and trainer, my red flags start going up thinking about like the lack of recovery and lack of downtime for your body and just abuse on your joints, your ligaments over time. I mean, that's just, it's hard to maintain. So for you, how do you balance that? What, What do you do to take care of yourself? You know, when I came in as a rookie, I had no idea on every little detail of how to be a pro. You kind of just get thrown in there and you figure it out as you go. And I would tell you that my first couple of years, I was probably terrible at recovery, not understanding it, not really valuing it, just being like, well, I play like five games in AAU, you know, like in one day I should be good, you know, I'm mm-hmm, no big yeah. deal. But as you get older and as you play so many games back to back and as you put so much minutes, your body starts to break down a lot. And so trying to invest in, in things that you need, I, I have a Normatec boot I bought after my second year. I, I found working out with, you know, a personal trainer, figure out, listen to my vets as much as possible to figure out yeah. how long and why they play so long and how they could play so long and what the secret was to staying healthy. But it's it's really just, you know, trying to educate yourself on recovery as much as possible. You, your nutrition, what you eat, and being just aware of that. Because like I said, when you go overseas, certain things that you're accustomed to having, as somebody else is having a protein shake after games that's right in the locker room, you may not have that. So I have to make sure that I'm bringing my protein stuff and not forgetting. So yeah, it's a lot of things that you don't necessarily always think about, but you have to when you get to the next level to help your body. And then if you want to have any longevity, you have to uh, pay attention to your recovery and nutrition. Where does that come from for you, like that motivation? Because it's not the normal, I would say. <laughs> I mean, I think you sound like a lot of the athletes I work with who I can see like right away in talking to you that you have you have the ability to be as good as you want to be, but there's not, not every athlete thinks like you do. Have you always been like that your whole life? Or is that something that you've kind of developed over the years? It has to come from my family. I have an older Mm. brother who played basketball and he played overseas as well. And just watching how my mom goes about her job and her work as well as my dad and how, you know, they work so hard 
for us and they have mm. their whole lives. And seeing my brother who tried to make sure that he was going to do everything he can to make sure that I was okay and, and he could leave something for me and I could leave something for, you know, my niece and nephew. And I didn't want to go into my profession, go into my career and just be only 50% into it and only do, do the bare minimum. I want to make sure mm -hmm. that whatever I do, I want to do it to the full capacity. And that's something that I've always seen in my life from my family, even from my friends is if you're going to do something, go hundred percent. And so that yeah. means hundred percent of recovery. That means understanding who I am, understanding where I could go, understanding my value. And that all plays a role in just how I was raised. And I have to give a hundred percent credit to my, my mom and dad. Yeah. It emanates from you. You can tell you put everything into it. How do you manage like everything that you have to focus on? I mean, is there a routine that you just kind of have stuck to that you found that works for you? I think in general, I tried to make sure that I listened to my body, especially as I've the last couple of years, I invested in the mental side of things. I think that's always been my biggest, I'm not going to say weakness because it's not a weakness, but something I never put a lot of time in to until recently. Yeah, yeah. And so the last couple of years, I've been seeing a sports psychologist, seeing a, a therapist as well to kind of make sure awesome. that kind of find my peace. I think that's when I'm at my best is when I'm at my peace. But getting to a place mentally that I could see myself growing is something that I think I, I needed to do. And so I think that's the part where I'm more in a routine and making sure that every day I'm taking time mm -hmm. for myself mentally so I can grow in my everyday life. One of the biggest opportunities I find in, with the professional athletes I work with to open up the idea of training your mind like you do your body and spending almost as much time focusing on that as you do your body, which is a unique kind of concept to a lot of people, especially people listening. I think Outside of sport, in everyday life, it's also another area that people just don't really spend the time to invest in, even though it has the biggest upside. Right. How do you train your mind? What are the things that you're focused on right now? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a very visual learner. You know, I actually kind of got some of this from Kobe. It was being able to just sit still and, and see yourself making shots, see yourself sitting at a boardroom table, seeing yourself doing all these great things first. And if you have that image and have that dream, you can also make that a reality. And so sitting down and just taking five minutes, 10 minutes and just visualizing what I want to do and seeing it come mm -hmm. to fruition is something that I've been really focusing on. And as well as just meditating, taking the time to just be appreciative of, of life and and value every single thing that I do every morning. The fact that you can wake up and blink your your eyes and, and breathe and walk and talk, those are things that we take for granted every day, mm -hmm. the little things, right? And so if I could you know, wake up and instantly be thankful that kind of makes you just have peace and understand that I have a purpose every day and mm -hmm. I have a purpose and what I do with that is very important. What do you play for me? What is your purpose? You know, I, I'm still unraveling the whole concept yeah. of it, which I should be as a human. I should be evolving every day, every year. And so 100%. I think right now I'm, I'm really in the couple of years I've been really focused on, on grassroots and giving back to the next generation of kids, mm. which is why I started the Gold Mamba Army and Gold Mamba Academy. Because I think it's important that we invest in the youth. I wouldn't be where I am today without someone investing in me and giving me an opportunity. And so if I could do that for the next generation, that's kind of like my goal. My, my time is going to come to an end. Basketball is going to come to an end. But it can't just stop there with, with what I do and my platform and my concepts that I want to play out. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's a big thing for me, which is why you know, my mission statement and our mission statement with my team was you know, breaking down boundaries empowering a community to believe and love and trust in who they are and the people they will become. I, I really mm. believe in that statement for myself and for my niece and nephew and the next generation because, like I said before, you're, you're always evolving and you should be. And if I can help a kid do that throughout their years, I think that's very powerful. That's the amazing work you're doing. 
I want to talk a little bit more too about like the origin of your story. Was there a moment in your career when you realized like I can be great? I could be a pro? So um, I was very fortunate to live in, in the suburbs of Chicago. And yeah. one of the owners for the Chicago Sky, uh, his daughter went to one of the rival high schools of mine. So we played um, four times a year. And so hmm. it might have been my junior year. He came to my brother and was like, hey, like, do you want to be a practice player for Chicago Sky? We're always looking for players, like come through, whatever. And my brother was like, can my sister come? So she could see like, you know, the WNBA or whatever. And he's like, yeah, yeah, like for sure. So as a high schooler, I was practicing with the Chicago Sky all summer. Wow. And I did that through college as well. And before people freak out, this was approved by the NCAA. <laughs> um, you had to put it out there because whatever. But anyways, it yeah, was all approved. Me, it was all good. Yeah. And so I practiced with them. And I remember scrimmaging with them as a high schooler and being able to hold my own. Mm. And as much as I obviously had a long learning curve to go, but I was able to score. I was able to defend. I, was a- I didn't feel out of place. And I think being exposed to that early on made me believe I could do this. If I'm only a junior and I'm able to play against the professionals, imagine what I could do in, in four or five years. And so seeing that and having the members of the Chicago Sky at the time really mentor me and constantly talk to me and, and hey, work on this, do this, do that. They helped me believe that I could play at this level. And I think mm. they saw that in me. And then as I got older, Kobe saw something in me that I didn't see in myself until now. You know, and he saw that and he constantly pulled wow. it out of me. And he was the first person to really invest 100% in me. And that's something that I, I'm forever grateful for. Before I had Nike, before I had the first draft pick, before I was somebody into the world's eyes, he, yeah. he believed that I was somebody. So having that exposure to early on success and seeing the WNBA, seeing behind the scenes playing there and then meeting someone, my role model, my icon, believe in me and say, hey, like you're here, you're going to be great. Then be like, oh crap! I, I guess he is right. Yeah. You know why would Kobe be wrong? You know he's he's very honest. He's not gonna lie to me. For you sure. know if he didn't believe in me, he wouldn't be like, hey, let me take you in. So having those two things and then making the decision to leave Notre Dame, I was like, I'm ready. Yeah, I think what that's important to highlight is just like the idea that that sometimes for a lot of us to believe in ourselves and have the confidence in ourselves to be great, it requires also the eyes of somebody who we respect and trust to see that in us. Right. That's a really amazing gift that he, he seems to have given you, which, yeah. is, which is really cool. Talk to me a little bit about how your relationship with Kobe came about. I mean, how did you guys meet and how did that mentorship and the relationship that you guys had start? Yeah, so I'm obviously a huge Kobe fan. I've had been for many years. My brother is as well. And so I was uh, able to go to a Christmas game. I drove back from Notre Dame to go with my dad. It was the Bulls versus the Lakers. Mm. And we were there at the game. And I don't think Kobe was playing that day. He was recovering from a shoulder injury. And our tickets were like right behind their bench. We got there early and we were talking. My dad was talking to one of the assistant coaches. And he had a USA jacket on. And the guy was like, oh, did you play for USA? And my dad was like, no, my daughter did. And they were kind of just talking back and forth. And I guess um, the last thing my dad said was like, oh, tell Kobe that Jewel's here. And the guy like laughed and my dad, I mean, he doesn't say a lot. He's very quiet, but he jokes around every once in a while. (laughs) Yeah. So we're sitting there and then doing one of the timeouts. uh, Kobe looked at me, like gave me a head nod. And I was like, what? Like, no way. Like me out of all these people here, he's looking at me. My dad was like, yeah, I told him to do that. And I was like, yeah, okay, dad. And so um, (laughs) I got back, I got back home and uh, Kobe followed me on on Twitter. And I was like, no, yeah. And I was like, no way. Like, freaking out like dad like did you tell him to do this too you know like i believe you now yeah. and you know kobe doesn't follow a lot of people and i think i was like his 96 follow and i was like this is unbelievable this is amazing 
So after that, I literally just started asking them questions just about the game, about how do I do this? Like, where do you see this? Like almost every day I was just asking them questions and he would reply right away. And it was no wow. hesitation. There was no nothing. And he knew who I was. And so ever since then, we, we kind of been talking. And then I went to LA for the Wooden Awards and they had a game that night. And uh, he hit me and said, you know, come over to the game um, after you're done at the Wooden Awards. And I texted him back and I was like, well, it was during the game. I'm like, it's tab time. Like, I'll just, you know, wait because we just got done. He's like, no, come over now. I'm like, okay. So we come and he had security bring my dad and I to the back. We walk through the locker room as they're coming out to go shoot. He wasn't playing that game either. And we're sitting in the locker room talking to him for the whole halftime into the third quarter. And he took the time. Wow. And, and yeah, I mean, that. and if you know Kobe, he's so focused. And the fact that he was yeah. like, this game is not important. Let me talk to you and meet your dad and just get to know you was amazing. And the first thing he said was just like, hey, like, I believe in you. I want to see you do great things. Like, how can I help you? Whatever mm -hmm. you need. And he gave me his number right then. And, and we kind of just started talking ever since. I mean, we been talking for years, right? And um, the thing I always remember, he made my dad and I feel like we were the Hall of Famers. Like, we totally. were famous. Ever since that day, it's been transformational for me in my life and, and how I see things. And everyone always asks, like, yeah, you guys probably talk a lot about basketball. And we rarely talked about basketball. It was more mm. than just that. And he always pushed me to think more outside the box and, and to push my boundaries and get to uncomfortable places in my life so I can grow. So I value him a lot. I value his relationship. And that's why I value the Gold Mamba name because it's more than just an alter ego. It's a, um, totally. it's important. You know, I think, you know, the first part of just gold, gold is super unique. It's super rare, but when you have it, it has value. To me, humans are the greatest creation ever. And so, I look at every human as gold because we're all valuable in our own way. And the Mamba part is obviously the Kobe mindset of it, of, of yeah. always, you know, never being defeated, always pushing for more and understanding where you are and, and where you could go. And so it's, it's really special that he um, allowed me to use that name and blessed me with that name. And I'm trying to do my best to pass that down. That's an incredible story, Joel. I love that. So I worked with Kobe for a while towards the end of his career and had a very similar feeling from working with him. It was like, as if when you were talking to him, it's like he like valued everything you were sharing with him. I'm like, no, no, I'm here to learn from you. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're expecting to learn from me, but I'm trying to glean as much as I can from you. And he had this way of making you feel like you're the only person in the room when he's talking to you. And, yeah. and it was a very special gift he had, which is not something that many people talked about actually until right. he ended up passing is like right. that those stories started to come out of him. The time he's invested in people off the court, the amount of WNBA players that he's pulled into his circle and, and mentored and coached and given feedback to, um, it's been incredible to see and just the representation he gave to the women's game was so special and so powerful i think elevating it in the every way he could knowing you know he's got daughters who especially Gigi, that wanted to play what about the in the, all the moments you had with him all the kind of side conversations the text messages the dms like what are some of the things that you'll always use or keep yeah i think i have uh two good stories that I think that comes to mind right off the bat. So I, I'm dyslexic and I've always struggled with reading and, and and I have a learning disability. And he knows that, you know, he always just said like, what book are you reading? I'm like, ah, you know, reading just throws me off, man. It, it's, I struggle with it and I get mad mm -hmm. reading. So when he was writing his book, he sent me a PDF. He's like, oh, go check your email. And I was like, what is it? He's like, go, go check it. I'm like, all right, I go check. And he's like, oh, that's my book I'm reading. I want you to read it and give me your feedback on it. And I'm like, dude, you want me to read this book. Like, this is like your first big project. He's like, yeah, no, read it. Like, I want your real evaluation. I'm like, all right, like, how long is it? He's like, yeah, 700 pages. I'm like, 
Okay, I sh- I, you know, like I struggle with reading, like, you know this, mm-hmm. but he wanted me to know that no matter how uncomfortable I felt that he was going to help me through this. And he would constantly check in like, hey, did you read chapter four? Like, what do you think about this? And and push me to kind of get out of my comfort zone. And that's something that I needed because, you know, having a learning disability of trying to figure out like, it's okay that I struggle and I don't like to read out loud. I don't like people to really know and I'm trying to still figure it out and, and I want to be confident about it. But it's still kind of a little shameful. And so for him to send me this big novel mm. in a PDF and while I'm overseas, it was amazing because we talked about so many things and how it related to my life. And I was able to to read it with him. And that encouraged me. And ever since then, I've been able to read more and feel more empowered. So that's like the first one I, I, I think about all the time. And then the second is like he always, he wrote on the shoes that he gave me, create forever and be epic. And mm. we always talked about that. And I actually have it tatted on me as well, because everything we talked about was always, how can you create forever? And it's not about basketball forever. It's passing down knowledge. How can you pass down traditions? How can you pass down the idea of, of love and acceptance and empathy down to people? Because that's what's going to remain. It's not necessarily the records or the trophies. Like that stuff is cool, but people are going to constantly get that. But how can you change people's hearts and minds? Those two things have always remained with me and something I I live through and live out every day. It's very special the bond you guys had for sure. So for those of us that are listening that want to be a gold mambo, what are the traits that make up being a gold mambo? Like what are the most important kind of like pillars for you that you guys focus on and what you pass down to the younger generation? I think for us, it starts with, you know, love, trust, loyalty, and heart. To me, those are things that I grew up with, with my family and my brother. It's understanding the value of trust trusting that someone who's working with you as a trainer or someone who's working with you as a, a friend or whatever is it's in there for the the good intentions and I trust mm-hmm. myself as well I trust that I know when I'm I'm able to do something I trust my gut feeling I understand that I can do something regardless of even if my trainer says I don't know if you're ready yet not let me let me try let me push myself a little bit understand the loyalty the commitment and loyalty of what you're doing to your craft and understanding that it takes a lot of sacrifice to do it and you have to be loyal to yourself you have to be loyal to the people around you because a lot of times when you you grow and you get more famous or big whatever it is people start coming to you with different meanings they want to pull from you they look at you like as a product and not necessarily as a human or they want the crumbs of what you're eating and so understanding that the people that have started with you from a very from the very beginning you're going to need them when the time gets going and Having that love, I think everything we should always do should be out of love. And that's the main focus of how I always go into camps or how I do business or concepts that come with it. Am I doing this out of love or am I doing this out of fame? What are my really good intentions? And so Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that's missing with everything. It's just people just want things right now. And if you have that love for something, you have a love for your craft, it takes time. It grows. It gets stronger over time. And so... That's kind of the concept behind being a gold mamba. It's like, yeah, you could join. We'll train you. We'll bring you in. But you're not going to be great tomorrow. But we're preparing mm-hmm. you to be a great human and a basketball player or a trainer and do time. So like, yeah. as much as you want to say trust the process, it's, it's, it's trust the process and love. I think that's something yeah. that we, we try to preach as much as possible. You know, it's funny how you say that because I think what people don't realize is overnight success happens over a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you got successful all of a sudden just because you've heard about that person, but that was somebody's dedication for a long period of time that then all of a sudden they became famous for what they do. 
I was watching this 60 Minutes and it was about Lizzo and she was being interviewed and talked about how she's like, I run into people all the time on the road where they'll be like, oh my gosh, like you're such an overnight success. Like, you know, all of a sudden you just popped out of nowhere. We've heard about, she's like, yeah, but you didn't see the 10 years I was traveling in a van. We were in podunk bars in Tulsa, Oklahoma with seven people watching us, you know, like for 10 years I did that. And all of a sudden you've heard about me. That's what you found out. You heard about this CD I just made recently, this album, but you didn't see the 10 years of like just grinding that I put into this craft. And it was because I loved it. She was on stage and she was doing it because that was her passion is what what her love was. And so one thing I always tell people, it's like we have this idea or this like fantasy of what success actually is. But what it truly is, is this thing that every one of us, like you mentioned, every human being on earth has this genius inside of them. We all have it. For people listening at home that want to become a gold mama or want to learn from you the way that you learn from Kobe, how, how do they get in touch with you? I'm very available. I have my number on my social. I have the website as well. Usually when people DM me or whatever, I'm pretty quick to respond back. I think the biggest thing I learned from Kobe is that he gave me his time. So I want to be able to give people my time. Yeah, I have a, a number on there that people text me and it's me texting them. And I take 20 to 30 minutes every day and check it and reply back to my fans and people who just want to know or have questions or just want to be a part of it. And as well as um, on the 94 Feet of Game app, there will be a jewel corner where people can reach out to me on there as well. Um, I'm trying to make sure that I'm out there if anyone wants any advice or questions. I, I don't like to, it's funny because I don't like to be the center of attention, but I do like yeah. to, to talk and learn and, and communicate with people. So as much as I can do that, that's literally what I'm trying to do. So I'm, I'm very accessible to a lot of people. I hope a lot of people listening will reach out and take advantage of that. After the break, Jewel talks to us about her mindset as a player, as a teammate, and as a role model. If you're enjoying this episode of Trained, here's some good news. You'll find more wellness expertise every day on Nike.com, the Nike app, the Nike Run Club app, and the Nike Training Club app. And in regions where NTC Premium is available, that's free now too. You can learn more about movement, mindset, nutrition, recovery, and sleep and you can get started on a workout as soon as you finish this episode. All right, so I want to change gears a little bit to focus on mindset. So after you face a loss or your team loses, is there anything that you do? Do you have any routines or do you reach out to anyone? My brother, after a loss, I, I usually call him right away. He, he usually is the person I talk to and he's, he knows my game the best and things like that. And he, he always reminds me, he's like, Jewel, you scored over 3,000 points in high school, right? He's like, you won at every level. Like you've been in big games, like you know how to win. So like mm. does this, this loss doesn't mean that you don't know how to win. It's just, what can you learn from it? And it's like, as much as you want to go to all the negative things, like, dang, I missed this free throw. I had this turnover. I didn't guard this. It's like, no, I know, I know how to win. Like I'm a winner. Yeah. And I'm a winner not just because of basketball. I'm a winner because of who I am. So I have to kind oh, of reframe yeah. that really quickly. And it's so easy to go negative. It's so easy. Yeah. It's what our brain's wired to do. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's just how it is. So it's, remember all the good things. Remember who you are. Remember what that feeling is. You know it. Not like go find it again. That's what's helped me kind of not be so negative. I'm so happy you brought that up because I think for, for a lot of people, a lot of athletes I work with too, they don't realize that the status quo, like our normal operating level is our, our brain finding problems with the world around us. It's like <laughs> our brain's wired for survival. So it's going to find like, am I okay? Am I safe? Is this all right? What's going on with that? Like what's wrong with that person? And yeah. I think what we don't realize is like our normal, just like functioning brain is normally like in a negative spin. And so yeah. you have to constantly bring it back to being content, being positive, being in the present moment, not letting yourself get distracted. And I think the people who have found this ability to be positive and content 
content are the people who practice it. They train themselves to just be that way. Yeah. We talked a lot about what you do personally, but what do you do to win for your team? Like, what do you do on a daily basis to try to find that connection with your teammates to lead in the way that you do? Like, what are some of the principles you use? I will pass up a good and great shot for me to get someone else going because I know late game, you know, Alicia Clark from the corner, she needs to be money because that's her spot. And I need her to see the ball go in more than me. I know I can get myself going whenever I need to, but I need to also put my teammates first. And that means mm-hmm. if I don't shoot, you know, 20 shots a game, but I take 10 shots and the rest I'm divvying out to my teammates to get them going and get building their confidence. That's what I'll do. One of my mentors always says like, you're a great soldier. You understand that. You understand that it's not just about you. It's about everybody else. And that's what mm-hmm. I always try to be. It's if I do that, like we all win. And that's the main concept is we all want to win a championship. And I can't just think about myself. I can't just say, oh, hey, like I'm the best two guard in the world. I need this, 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 and this. It's like, no, like I know I'm good. I know I'm great. But let me share that with everybody else. Yeah, 100%. Like, give me an example of something you do. So like you got a new player that comes on the team, a rookie who you know, in order for you guys to win this year, to win the championship, you got to have that rookie play at a high enough level, feel as involved as the person who's been on the team for 10 years. What are some of the things you do with them to like get them involved, to make them feel like they're a part of the team, connect them in with like what you guys are trying to do and set that example? I talk to them. I get to know who they are, what they value, take the time to get to know them. So they know that like I care about them, not just as a product, but as a human being. And then I take, you know, 10 minutes, whatever it is to just work with them. Like, hey, let's go shoot. Let's go this. Mm. So they feel comfortable. I think when you feel comfortable and you feel like you're in a good, safe environment, you're allowed to kind of be vulnerable. And when you're vulnerable, you're allowed to grow. And so that's something that we've been very successful out here in Seattle. That's how I felt when I came here and Sue did it to me and and vice versa. And uh, me doing it now to our rookie Ezzy is letting people know that this is a safe space. You're more than just a jersey number. You're more than just a product for us. You're, we want to make sure that you're good off the court as well as you're on the court. So just taking the time to just communicate with them. Well, you mentioned Sue because I just I want to touch on her. Obviously, she's a legend of the game. What's one or two things that you've kind of picked up and taken from her that you're going to apply to your career? The biggest thing is, you know, she, she told me early on is never get too high, never get too low. You want to keep that consistent emotion because a lot of things Neutral, could happen. Yeah. yeah, a lot of things could happen. Obviously, in game, a lot of things are. If you were up totally. thirty one time, and then we were down thirty, and all in one game, it's like, what the heck? Like, you know, it's like, you, know, you, <laughs> totally. you, just, you know, you don't know. So, um, finding that that fine line of understanding, like, it's going to go up and down, but how do I react to it? And that's something that she's really big on. Something that she she told me my first year joining the team. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a, one thing Kobe told me one time early on, and I like never forgotten it. He said that the best leaders in the world have this ability to get everybody on their team to show up and do the best they can every day, like, and not focus on how many points you scored, wins, losses, those are going to come and go. But it's like, can you get everyone to show up and do the best they can every day? That's what the best leaders and teams in the world do. And you're like, damn, it's so true. It's like (laughs) such like a great example of that, you know, because it's like all you can measure someone's effort and how hard they try. No athlete ever tries to lose or miss a shot. So you can't judge them on their performance as much as it is like, did you try your best? Did you give all you had? And did you do your best? Right. Don't compare yourself to anybody. There's only one you in the whole world. Well, Jewel, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate you and best of luck this year and, and go win another one. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's the plan, man. That's the plan to get, get one, <laughs> get one in the bubble. <laughs> That conversation really inspired me, and I'm not using that word lightly. When Jewel talks about trust being at the center of a mentor-mentee relationship, it really highlights something for me. Jewel got that kind of support from her parents, from Kobe, from her teammates, and now she's able to give it to the kids she works with, a lot of whom may have never felt anything like that before. 
They may have never trusted a teacher or a mentor or never had anyone really trusted them to deliver. By providing that anchor, she's giving these kids a chance to find a chosen family in sport. And that's what inspires me. As a trainer and as a father, it reminds me that just being there for the people in my life can have a huge impact. On the next episode, I'll be talking with Dr. Kevin Elko, the sports psychologist with more championship rings than your favorite superstar, about how to build winning teams across every field of life. Thanks again for listening. This has been Trained. Talk to you soon. If you're enjoying this episode of Trained, help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast. That way we can keep making great episodes for you to listen to. And it helps other people find us too. If you've got a question for me or my guests, or a topic you'd like to see covered, email me at trained at nike.com and I'll see what I can do. Thanks for listening to Trained. Just a reminder, always talk with your doctor before starting any training or nutrition program. The information we provide, it's not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. And the individual opinions expressed here are just that, opinions. They shouldn't be taken as fact.